Hi, this is Brett, and welcome to the Carpenters Union. Well, here we are in Joshua chapter 4. The Israelites are in the process of crossing over the Jordan River. These same Israelites, 40 years earlier, escaped bondage out of Egypt, a picture of the world, and they went through the parted Red Sea, a picture of the baptism of salvation. As believers and as people who were saved, they wandered in the desert for 40 years in disbelief and in disobedience. Yet, under new leadership of Joshua, a picture of Jesus, they are now crossing over the Jordan River, a picture of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. For sure, we have definitely seen great pictures and types of the Spirit-filled life here in our study of the book of Joshua. That said, people do have lots of questions about the evidence of the Spirit-filled life. What are some spiritual gifts? Is it prophecy? Tongues? Miracles? Hysterics? You know, Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, would go to say that there is evidence of the Spirit-filled life or gifts of the Holy Spirit boiled down to this, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Do we see aspects of faith, hope, and love here in the book of Joshua? We sure do. Chapter 2, Hearts of Hope. The two witnesses came back and were so encouraged and filled with hope. The steps of faith. The Israelite priests had to step into the overflowing riverbanks of the Jordan upon which the waters parted after they took the step of faith. And love. Stones of love here in chapter 4. Well, in today's study, I will provide you that scriptural backing that supports this perspective. In a carpenter's vernacular, I'm going to install the joists that support the platform of faith, hope, and love that we will all stand upon. So Jesus, please open our hearts and minds now as we get into your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Picking up in Joshua chapter 4, verse 8. So the men did as Joshua had commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan River, one for each tribe, just as the Lord had told Joshua. They carried them to the place where they camped for the night, and they constructed the memorial there. Joshua also set up another pile of 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan, at the place where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing, and they are there to this day. You know what fascinates me is that there were two different piles of stones. Stones built by uh, the 12 men from the different tribes that was to be placed visibly to everybody, and then the 12 stones built by Joshua that was out in the middle of the riverbed. The stones built by the 12 men would ultimately be dismantled, and no one knows where those 12 stones are today. But we can be pretty sure that the 12 stones that Joshua set up in the middle of Jordan River, well, they're probably still there, under water, but nevertheless still there. Clearly a memorial for the people and also a memorial for God. You know, the covenant does not depend on us. Even when God's people reject him, his covenant remains the same. God does not forget his people and he does not forget his covenant. When God makes a covenant, he fulfills it and nothing can stop him. 
This is very good news. The covenant does not depend on us keeping it. It really doesn't. This is very good news. In Genesis chapter 15, there appears to be a strange way that God makes a covenant with Abram. He has him split a cow, goat, ram, and two birds in two, and then God sent his fire to pass between the pieces lying there. Now, this was a covenant ritual. Both parties were supposed to pass through the pieces, which meant, may this happen to me if I break this agreement. But in the story, you will see that only God passes through the pieces, not Abram. This means the fulfillment of the covenant does not depend on Abram, but God alone. God's promises do not depend on us, because God does not forget his people, and he does not forget his covenant. Continuing in verse 10, the priests who were carrying the ark stood in the middle of the river until all the Lord's commands that Moses had given to Joshua were carried out. Meanwhile, the people hurried across the riverbed. And when everyone was safely on the other side, the priests crossed over with the ark of the Lord as the people watched. The armed warriors from the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh led the Israelites across the Jordan, just as Moses had directed. These men were armed and about 40,000 strong, and they were ready for battle, and the Lord was with them as they crossed over to the plains of Jericho. Remember now, these three tribes chose not to cross. Moses, of course, required their fighting men to cross, kind of like shock troops. I am reminded of the fact that God never forces himself on anyone, and neither did Jesus. God wants us to see him for who he really is, a loving God, and respond to this initiated love and invite him into our hearts. When we do this, we will see all the riches of his grace. We will see all the tools he wants to give us to live our lives. We will see that we can't do this alone. We can't live our lives without him. But he first waits patiently and lovingly on us to invite him into our lives. Without him, we can't. But without us, he won't. Continuing in verse 14. That day the Lord made Joshua a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites, and for the rest of his life they revered him as much as they had revered Moses. The Lord had said to Joshua, Command the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant to come up out of the riverbed. So Joshua gave the command, and as soon as the priests carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant came up out of the riverbed and their feet were on high ground, the water of the Jordan returned and overflowed its banks as before. The people crossed the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month. Then they camped at Gilgal, just east of Jericho. It was there, at Gilgal, that Joshua piled up the twelve stones taken from the Jordan River. Note that these stones are on the land of promise side of the Jordan, the abundant life side. Paul would later say in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. A few episodes ago, I asked the question, How do you know if you're filled with the Holy Spirit? 
What is the sign? As I mentioned earlier, tongues, wow. Faith to move mountains, it's amazing. Prophecy can be powerful. Healing is awesome. But is it really tongues? Not really. Throughout the stories in the book of Acts that depict the anointing of the Holy Spirit, tongues is not equally distributed to everyone. Is it prophecy? Not entirely. You know, you can't box God in with respect to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But let me say this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul discusses the gift of tongues. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul discusses prophecy. But which is sandwiched between those two chapters? It's love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the famous love chapter. And all these gifts, faith and hope, are dim by comparison to real, true agape love. Love, unity, that's where it's at. Twelve stones stacked together, perfect unity, that is the sign. Later on in 1 Peter 2, Peter would say in verse 5, You are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. And in 1 Kings 18, verse 31, Elijah takes 12 stones, representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sets up an altar, the same altar where fire comes down and consumes the sacrifice. Twelve disciples acting as one in perfect unity and harmony. They were exemplifying the words of Jesus when Jesus says, I and the Father are one. They were extending this same union in and through themselves, all through the Holy Spirit. It is love you can't simply work up for yourself. Sure, perhaps you could perform some form of hollow love and do it for a short time, and you might be doing it out of some form of obligation. No, this is a deeper love. You have been touched in your heart. Not only do you love people in a whole new way, you actually want to fellowship with them on a regular basis. Sadly, many Christians are grumpy. They simply need more of the baptism of the Holy Spirit to be filled and operated by this agape love. Continuing in verse 21, Then Joshua said to the Israelites, In the future your children will ask, What do these stones mean? And then you will tell them, This is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes, and he kept it dry until you were all across, just as he did with the Red Sea, when he dried it up until all had crossed over. He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful, and so you might fear the Lord your God forever. You know, as I revisit the words of Jesus talking about communion, and he said, do this in remembrance of me, I see a whole fresh perspective on these stones of remembrance. There are two memorials set up, one visible to all and one hidden, only seen by God. Communion is much the same way. As you eat the bread and take the cup, one is personal between you and Jesus, contemplation that is deep in your heart and mind as you consider his blood 
and his body applied to your life. As you eat the bread and take the cup, one is open and shared in agape love among your brothers and sisters, the other living stones, a visible demonstration of perfect unity and oneness, a living body, if it were. And this is why when we are about to take communion, we are exhorted in the word of God to go and make amends with a brother or sister if there exists a division between us. This pre-communion task is meant to tear down the walls that divide to allow agape love to flow freely. What an awesome evidence of the Holy Spirit's presence in the life of a believer. What a witness. When Jesus said, wait here until you are empowered by the Holy Spirit, and then you will be my witness, does this mean we all need to go out into the streets and witness? Not necessarily. Jesus said in John 13, 34, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the whole world that you are my disciples. Ladies and gentlemen, faith and hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. Thanks for joining me here today at the Carpenters Union. I truly hope and pray that today's study is a blessing to you and applicable to your life. Continue to share the things that you've learned and to share the love of Jesus with anyone and everyone that you come in contact with. Until we meet again, I pray that the Lord's face continually shines upon you. Amen. Thank you.